Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Well, we are uh, we're in our fifth part of a series uh, that we have simply uh, titled Roller Coaster. And what we're doing is we're looking at the life of Joseph at the last 14 chapters of Genesis. And so, um, starting there in Genesis 37, moving forward through the end of it, um, we are, it, it is composed of this narrative of Joseph and his life and his interactions with his brothers and his dad and, and getting sold into slavery and then thrown in jail and then ends up in control in Egypt. And, and we're looking at, at all of those different pieces and, and we see that his life is a roller coaster. His life starts out on top, man. He's gone. He has favor with his dad. His, his dad has, makes this, this beautiful garment for him that shows his favor. He's one of, these, the, one of the youngest brothers, and yet he's the one in charge of checking on all the older brothers and making sure that they're supposed to be there. He has a dream that God's at work in all of this, even though there's this tension between his older brothers and him. He has this dream where his brothers bow down, and, and there's, this, there's this beautiful place of harmony, and his brothers don't see that. It's a great thing that they're bowing to him when he shares his dream, and they get upset and sell him into slavery and talked about killing him. And, and when we looked last week, he was in slavery. He was a slave. He's a guy who's owned. He's property. He's a guy who could just be placed on eBay and sold. A guy who you could find listed in Craigslist and says, great, hardworking guy. So many dollars. He's yours. He wasn't his own. But yet in the middle of that, we see that whether the ups or the downs or the twists or the turns or any of that, Joseph just keeps being Joseph. Joseph was a faithful guy. Joseph was a guy who if he was entrusted with something, he took that super seriously and he made sure that he took care of business. And Joseph just never, ever quit. So then he ends up being this slave in this guy's household, but he does such a good job of being a slave. Let us never forget he was a slave. He did such a good job of being a slave that that guy turned everything over to him and just didn't worry about anything. He just kind of took care of his own little personal needs and let, let the slave run everything. And Joseph, in this weird, messed up place, is kind of back on top again. It's not, the, it's not the big initial hill he was on, but he finds himself on top again. But we ended... Last week, in the point of the narrative, that Joseph was handsome and well-built. Joseph was a stud. He was good-looking. And that created some problems for Joseph. So let's just go ahead and look at our jump-off thought that we come back to this over and over again. That joy in life isn't about embracing the ups or avoiding the downs. Most of us want that. We want to pile in the ups, have no downs in life. It says, but our joy is in knowing that no matter what life throws at us, God, God loves us and he's going to carry us through it. He's going to carry us forward. God is with us. And that is what we see all through Joseph's life is God was with him. God was with him. He was with God. He connected. And it didn't matter what scenario he was in. 
things begin to click up and click forward again. We look at Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. It's this thing that is progressive. It's as you trust in him, as you begin to do it. It's that concept of, of that I cross this rug as I take steps. I can't do that. If I don't take steps, it don't cross the rug. Sometimes we want to get from point A to point B, but we don't want to take the steps. We want to be filled with joy and peace, but it comes as we trust in God. Like trusting in God is scary. I get it. We have to release control. We have to trust that God is there and he's faithful. And, and then all of a sudden the, the twist and the turn comes in. You're like, well, I thought God was on top of this. And then all of a sudden something shifts. And Joseph's life is this beautiful example of him continuing to trust God through the middle of it. When sometimes we see the roller coaster and we just don't want any, we just don't want any part of it. And then there's sometimes we see the roller coaster and we're like, you know what? I'm willing to deal with the twists and the turns and the ups and downs because, man, there's going to be some really amazing points on this. And uh, years ago, we, uh, our family, we like to do theme parks and have enjoyed that through the years. And, and uh, uh, Brooklyn, my oldest daughter, who's uh, 20 now, and uh, she was about 11 or 12 uh, at this point. And uh, so we were at Six Flags in, at Fiesta, Texas in San Antonio. And there's the Superman Krypton Coaster. There's this, this big, awesome, super smooth, really high, um, multiple loops. It's an awesome roller coaster. And so, and uh, she'd always wanted to ride it, and, but she'd then talk herself out of it. She's like, nope, nope, nope. And so finally she decides this trip, she's like, I'm going to ride the Superman. I'm going to ride it. I'm like, all right, I'll ride it. I'm still going to sit there right there with you, sweetheart. I'm going to ride it with you. And so we get in line, and she looks at it. And starts going, <laughs> and I'm like, sweetheart, are you okay? Are you okay? Yes, yes, I, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. Are you going to ride it? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to ride it. And we, the line moves forward a little bit, and we sit there, and she, the whole time she just won't look at it. She just looks away. And so we move forward, and she just kind of won't look at it and looks away. And finally she watches it go all the way up again and then drop down. And it's an um, the initial drop is almost a straight down drop. And about an 80 degree drop, and it's really awesome. And uh, and so she watches that happen, and then she does it again. <gasps> and I'm like, sweetheart, seriously, you don't have to do this. I'm not making you do this. The the people behind me are like, what kind of jerk dad is this guy? This girl is hyperventilating. This girl is gonna have a breakdown right here. Don't make her ride, jerk dad. And um. Uh, and so it's her choice. And so we moved forward a little, and she kept having this. And in our household, we formed a phrase that if we wanted to communicate that we knew that there was something wonderful ahead of us, something really great, but we were really intimidated and really nervous about stepping into it, we'd say, I'm having a Superman moment. Because Brooklyn wanted to do it. They're like, what's going on? Well, I, I'm Brooklyn at the Superman. That's, that's, that's what's going on in me right now. And so we finally get to that spot. That spot where you're in the little gate, the little thing shuts, the little car goes past, and you're waiting, and you're next. Which is like almost as intense as the ride itself. 
and you're just sitting there, your stomach's all in a mess, and you're sitting there, and then that card zooms in, and you scan the faces to see kind of what the experience is. And some are happy, some are, you know, you know, and, and some are checking their pants. And so, and, uh, and so, so they, they get off, and we get on, and, and Brooklyn's like, I don't want to be on the edge, I don't want to be on the edge. I'm like, fine, sit in the middle, I'll take the edge. And uh, so we sit there, and she, cl- and it drops in, and you're, you're in there. And uh, the little bottom of the floor comes out, and your feet are dangling, and we're ready to go. And uh, the click, 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 and you're pretty soon seeing a whole lot of San Antonio. And she's just sitting there clamped down. But on the inside, so ready to embrace this thing that she knows is going to be wonderful. She knows it is, but there's all this nervousness and all this mess that's inside of it that's, that's muddying it up. And finally, we drop in, and we go, and it's just over in a blur, and she gets off, and the first thing she's like is, oh, that was so good. Can we ride it again? And I was like, absolutely. So we ride it again, and the next time, there's no hyperventilating. There's nothing in line, just pure excitement and readiness. And here was her spot. She knew that there were going to be the twists and the turns. And she had to make a decision. Did she want to stay in a place of comfort where she could stay there on the ground where she was in control? Or was she going to embrace the fact that she was going to have to give up a little bit of control and trust to be able to step into this thing? And there was this thing between moving forward and comfort. And so many times, folks, That is where you and I find ourselves, where we, life just gets comfortable. And we're just like, you know what? I've had the roller coaster in my life. I've had that. I just kind of want a no drama time. Just give me a no drama season for a little bit. I've had some roller coasters. Just, Just leave me alone. But the problem is, is what we can do is we can begin to build our house there. And we can begin to live there and try to isolate ourselves from any kind of ups and downs and twists and turns, thinking somehow we're keeping out the pain. But Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. The trouble's going to come anyways. All we're doing is isolating ourselves from the beautiful things that God has for us. The pain still comes. The uh, yuck still comes. The other stuff still comes. We're just isolating ourselves from the beautiful things that God has for us. See, our relationship with God, see, it will guide us when the pleasures of life try to derail us. The comfort, the sweet things. You know, before we've talked about this truth here that, you know, that, that he, got, he, was, he was about to be killed and then he just got sold into slavery and, and he's had all these ups and downs. His brothers hated him and all that stuff was brutal and painful. But now we're about to see something else in life that's come at Joseph to try to derail him and take him out. That's not the hatred of family. That's not being sold into slavery. That's not being drug away from your home and people that speak your language and and be able to live the kind of life you want to live. All of a sudden now there's something else that's coming at him full force that was going to create a different way for Joseph to quit being Joseph. Remember The enemy wants you to not be the you God created you to be. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to make you not step into the fullness of who God created you to be. And sometimes pain can derail us. Sometimes the frustration and the stuff of life can derail us. But sometimes it's something completely different. 
Let's check up with Joseph in Genesis 39, verse 6. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. And with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with any, anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph. And this lady was blunt. She said, she took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. You are well-built and handsome. Come on. That's what the scripture's saying. So here is this guy who's given him all this favor who's made life as a slave as little slavish as possible because he's been so faithful. And now this, his wife begins to pursue him. Joseph isn't a slave. He can't see some other person that maybe matches him in appearance that's also well-built and handsome well-built and beautiful, and begin to pursue her and court her and to go after her. He's a normal young guy. He sits there and lives in a land, and now he can't do that. He can't choose a wife. He can't date. He can't pursue those different things. Those options are not open to him. And now this lady of the house begins to pursue him. They know Potiphar's schedule. They know what's going on. He could have the little rendezvous. There's not anybody from his household, anybody holding him accountable. There's no Uncle Louie down the street saying, boy, you better toe the line. Your mama would be so embarrassed if you did that. They're gone. They're in another place. Nobody's around. And she pursues him. Verse 8, he sa says, but he refused he says, with me in charge, he told her, my master doesn't concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he's entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. And he's talking to her, his wife. No one in Potiphar's house is greater than I am. And he's talking to the wife. He's like, I'm esteemed higher than you are, lady, and I'm a slave. He's talking to her. No one in this house is greater than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you. He didn't offer me you. He says, because you are his wife. How then could, do, could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? That's his mindset. That's his answer. It's not even do such a wicked thing against Potiphar, this guy who's, who's being cool to me, when things could really be ugly for me. I'm a slave. Somebody else could have bought me. He's so thankful. A guy that ended up trusting him bought him. He's like, how could I do this thing, wicked thing, and sin against God? His relationship that he cultivated by himself. He didn't get to go to worship on the weekends. He didn't have a small group Bible study. He didn't have a, a little app catching some good podcasts who kept him encouraged all week. He didn't have all the wonderful tools you and I have, and those are great tools. All he had 
was the, the, the truth and the stories that had been handed down about the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His, that, his those three men right directly above him in lineage. And he had those stories of God's promises and God's things, and he held on to those things, and he cultivated a relationship with God on his own. And because of that, his awareness in everything he did, there was a God consciousness in everything he did. So then when this temptation, this enticement, this pleasure of life begins to come at him, he doesn't even hesitate. He doesn't even hesitate. He's just like, no. No. How could I do this and mess up the one relationship that is really any good? He knows the favor that's on him in Potiphar's house is because of the hand of God. He's aware of those things. He says, my number one relationship would be violated if I did this. Verse 10, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, this woman is relentless. He refused to go to bed with her or even to be with her. He didn't even want to be in the same room. She walks into a room, he walks out of the room. He just kept his distance. And one day he went into the house to attend to his duties. He's just, do, he's just being a good slave. And none of the household servants were inside. There's no prying eyes at all. And she caught him by his cloak. And she finally, she can't take it anymore. She has cultivated this desire for this guy. And she can't handle it anymore and she grabs him and grabs him by his cloak and says come to bed with me and she's just manhandling she's just she's just grabbing him but he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house he wiggles out of his jacket and he bolts and just gets out of there as quick as he possibly could see joseph wouldn't compromise in a place of pain his brothers hated him he stayed Joseph he got attacked on these different fronts he stayed Joseph he got sold into slavery he stayed Joseph he would not change his character from a place of pain and there are some of us who just are like you know what I'm just not gonna give in to the outright attack but so many times we can then open the door for the little sneaky thing that comes in. The word calls it the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And they sneak in and they begin to create the same snares and problems that the straight up attack, the straight up pain, the straight up stuff tried to do, but they try to do it in a little more slippery way. See, with God at the center of our private lives, temptation loses its strength. There's this one thing when, when things are happening in public, but when we keep God at the center of our private lives. And so how do we do this? Like, well, then the question is, is what do we do concerning God when we could do anything we want? When the TV could be one of whatever channel we want it to be on. When, when our, our phone could be doing whatever we want it to be doing. When our computer could be doing whatever we want it to be doing. When, when our thoughts and our mouths and all that could be doing whatever we want it to be doing. Are we including God in any of it? In our private lives. Do we have prayer time? 
are we thinking about God? Are we breaking open the, the word of God? Or, or you know what? Sunday morning is a great place and we teach the word on purpose. And if this is what you're getting, I'm thankful. But I hope you're breaking open the word on your own. I encourage you to read the scriptures on your own. I love it when I get texts from people saying, I'm reading this and I don't understand it. Pastor, can you explain this to me? I love that. I want to get those on Thursdays and Wednesdays and Tuesdays and Saturdays. I love that. That's awesome. Because you're spending, you're cultivating that place and your private life. And that's where things really begin to grow and the, real, the strength of your relationship begins to be there. It's in our private lives. All of us, when we were dating our spouses, we typically started in a public environment, but we knew that we wanted the relationship to go deeper. We wanted it at some point, this relationship, we're going to have to spend time just the two of us. Young people, if you're not ready to get married, group date. It's a good, smart way to do it. Stay in public. Stay with groups. But you know what? Married people, if the only time you ever go out is with your friends, private date, your spouse, the only time you ever get a sitter is when there's four or five couples going out. Get a sitter for just the two of you to go out. That's a side note. Because the intimacy is cultivated in private. It's cultivated with just two of you. Your intimacy with God is going to do that. And here he had such intimacy with God that the enticement of this physical intimacy with this woman could not trump his, his intimacy with God. It was no comparison. He didn't want to get off of the sweetness and the wonder of the relationship with God. Why? Because God was for him and with him. And it didn't no matter what happened up or down. Man, he knew the presence of God was there and caused things to turn around. Joseph understood things most New Testament believers don't understand. So many people would be saying that, oh man, God put me as a slave to try to teach me something. No, he knew that God was with him and God was going to turn that situation around. God, Joseph understood some stuff. Let's look at Matthew 6, verses 5. It says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. The people who don't have a real depth of relationship with God only want to pray when other people are listening. You know what I'm saying? Those are the hypocrites. Pray, there's times to pray in public. That's great. But you ought to have a prayer life that goes beyond that. It says, truly, I, I tell you, you have, they have received their reward in full. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen, and then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, Joseph lived to please God even when no one else knew. He didn't have accountability partners. He didn't have that. What he had was the sweetness of a real relationship with a living God. He didn't have a list of rules to live by. Ten commandments didn't exist. Jo Moses comes later. He didn't go, oh, I can't commit adultery because it's in the Big Ten. The Big Ten didn't exist. Then it came later. His relationship with God told him that it was wrong to take another man's wife. His relationship with God said that, that that's not loving, that's not honoring. I don't need it written down on a stone to tell me that that's jacked up. Joseph's relationship with God led him to that conclusion. See, integrity means that we do the right thing even if no one will know. Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace 
with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I love this passage of scripture and I love this because so many times we, we, we don't really take the context of what our time of need looks like. So we're supposed to approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we'll find the help we, in time of need. Well, what's our time of need? Our time of need is when we're about to go rogue. When we feel all of these pushes and pulls and all of these different stuff for us to not walk in a place of loving God and loving others. About to do something that's less than loving. And we go, are able to go to God confidently. Not being afraid that he's going to see this battle we're dealing with. But knowing that he loves us even though that's taking place. And he's going to help us in the middle of it. The only way we can do this is if we have the confidence that's built in a private relationship with God. In this time where we've, we've gone to God with the other issues of life. We've, we've cultivated that. 1 Corinthians 10 13 and 14 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. And no, most of us don't have little statues that we pray to before we leave in the morning. If you do, um, that's a problem. Um, and so, but most of us in our culture don't have that. Um, and so we have, we have different kinds of idols. We have different things. And, and an idol is simply anything that you value more than you value God. That's it. That's why it says don't have any other gods before me. We value God the most. And, and an idol is anything we value. So that when there's tension, then all of a sudden we feel like God's leading us one way and then this Id, Id, idol idolatrous relationship with something whether it's work whether it's our our what people think of us there's all sorts of things can be become easily become an idol but when we have this place that we recognize God's faithful and he's with us and we just turn to him and he gives us the strength to deal with it he gives us the strength to deal with it see some things need to be left behind so that we can live free Initially, when I put this series together, I looked at a whole bunch of names of roller coasters because there's a whole lot of them. And, and I wanted, I thought, hey, it would be cool if, you know, that uh, there's, a, there's a roller coaster called Flashback, you know, so when all of a sudden something happens again, which there was a, a place in Joseph's story where all of a sudden it feels like everything's happening all over again, you know, that one could have worked. And, and so I was like, man, that would kind of be fun. I sub, you know, I do the title of each series, you know, this roller coaster name, and then that kind of fell apart real fast. And so, so we didn't do that. But this week, this week it worked because we, and we called it Krypton Coaster because if you know, if you know Superman's story, Kryptonite is the only thing that makes him respond like a normal mortal. And kryptonite is this little chunk of where Superman used to live. Where he was from. It's not where he is anymore. He'd been put into a place to where he was able to live on another plane. 
and see this place of tension with us is that God has set us with him in heavenly places. That our citizenship is in heaven. That we are part of something else. We are born into Christ and we're to leave the old stuff behind. And the, our problems is when we try to take a little bit of where we used to live and bring it with us. And that creates the problems. We've got to let that other mess go. I love it that, that Joseph just let it go. He let the cloak just stay there and was not going to let something that used to be on the outside and used to, to define him. They just said, the guy in that cloak over there, go get him. And he let it go. He's no longer defined by that. And he let it go and that lady held on to it. Sometimes there's some stuff in our life. For you to move forward with God, you're going to have to let some stuff go. You're going to have to. You have to let God put that behind you because otherwise it will keep it. If he tried to fight that lady for his cloak, who knows what things would have, what other stuff, who knows what other garments would have been flying around. It could have got messy in a hurry. But he let the only garment come off, one that he had control over, and he got out of there. But here's the problem. We have to understand that we can't let the enemy come in and try to build a case based on what we left behind. Genesis 39.10 or 39.13. Wow, I messed up on that. It's 39.13. I need to proofread my notes. Um, it says, when, when she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house, she called her household servants. Now she's mad. She took her last-ditch effort. She was pretty consumed that she really wanted, he really wanted her as much as she wanted him. She just finally just throws herself at him, and he runs, and now she's ticked. And she called her household servants. She said to them, this Hebrew has been, brought, <coughs> has been brought to make us, to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. So now she turns it around. What she was trying to do, she now accuses him of. What she was trying to fabricate the thing, she now just says, oh, no, he was throwing himself at me. And, oh, my goodness, you know, I just barely got away. I'm such an honorable, upstanding woman. And, look, he already started taking his clothes off. And here's his cloak. He started coming at me with everything he had. And, and, and I got away. And she said, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and he ran out of the house. And she kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. That she held on to what he let go of. She grabbed a hold of it and tried to build a case against him. And, and Joseph just kept being Joseph. Then she told Potiphar the story. That Hebrew slave you, <coughs> you brought us came to make sport of us but as soon as I screamed for help he left his cloak <clears throat> beside me and ran out of the house and when his master heard the story his wife told him <clears throat> saying this is how your slave treated me he burned with anger okay what husband wouldn't burn with anger this guy you treated good all of a sudden now goes after your wife yeah I mean it's beat down time I mean it's just it's just back alley justice and uh take care of business <clears throat> Only sirens, we won't seize the ambulance. <laughs> Did I say that out loud? <laughs> and, uh, and so, but it's that. It gets you rolling. It gets you upset. 
And so, understandably, says it, it, that he burned with anger. And Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Now, this isn't like the king's prison, like it's all nice and plush and cushy. Like, in case the king gets thrown in jail, the, the king has like a nice like place, like where, where they have like nice pools and a sauna and all that. They just kind of held inside of a wall. No, this is where the king's prisoners, where the king's ticked, and he wants to make sure that they don't get away, that they are treated like dirt. This is the place where the king is mad, and he wants somebody thrown in jail. This is, he got put where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him in prison. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So here, in, even in prison, God was with him. God was with him. You know, God can still work in prison. Maybe you have some loved ones that are in prison. God can still work in prison. God isn't held out by those bars and that razor wire and all that stuff. The Spirit of God can be at work there. And I want to encourage you to continue to pray for your loved ones and to pray. Man, I'm telling you, there are some amazing things happening in the prison system, you know, that we don't even hear of, of, of genuine revival and genuine lives being changed. And, and, <clears throat> and we need to make sure that we're the kind of people that when somebody gets out, and somebody's, that they can begin to become a part of a living, vibrant community. And not be alienated and isolated. That's again, that's just a side note. But here's this thing I want us to be aware of as we wrap this up. That Joseph, he was physically free at Potter's house. He could move around and take care of business and do things. Everything was under his control. But really what he was in was a comfortable place of captivity. And I think most of us, when we stall out in our relationship with God, that's where we stall. Is a comfortable place of still in captivity. See, Galatians <coughs> chapter 5 tells us it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. And no longer to be taken back into a yoke of slavery. And yes, is slavery its own kind of sin? Yes. But what it's referring to in that passage is getting back into the old system of trying to prove to God that you're worthy and fall under the law and the legalism and all of that different mess. God wants to move you forward in his relationship and move you forward in freedom. Please don't find yourself in a fresh place of comfortable captivity. See, Philippians 3 says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. I love that imagery, that Christ took hold of me, and now I'm going to take hold of Christ. If I begin to kind of let go, guess what? God still got me, but what a beautiful grip is when we both reach in and say, Christ has taken hold of me, and now I press to take hold of him. What a beautiful imagery. It says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet <coughs> to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Hey, buddy, it happens. That's why you wait. Mm -hmm. 
That was, that's not a real baby. It was one of those little school ones. <laughs> Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on to the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You know what? You've been through some roller coasters. You're alive. You're breathing oxygen. I know it. And there's some roller coaster ahead of you. But what get, lets us say, you know what? I'm not going to be intimidated. I'm not going to walk away from it. I'm not going to try to isolate myself from life and try to avoid all this stuff. I'm going to grab hold of God and I'm going to be there with Him. And I'm going to trust that in the middle of the ups and downs and twists and turns, He is with me. And that he's taking some, me somewhere. And he's doing something in my life. And I can't understand it. And I can't see the full outcome. But God is good and he is faithful. And I'm not going to back off for a second. See, our bottom line today is live life for an audience of one. That's what Joseph did. That's what carried him through this. Nobody else cared what, that Joseph was a man of integrity in that moment. Except Joseph and God. And live life for an audience of one. The one who gave himself for you. See, joy is found in trusting God through the twists and the turns. Joseph's life ends up in a beautiful place, and we'll, we'll see that by the time we get there. But I'm telling you, all the way through, he just hangs on to God, and God hangs on to him, and God's faithfulness is what carries him through. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.